straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 311, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with the Duck Kirk Bowles. And Duck, anytime we really have a big game going, sometimes you have to reach into the treasure trove of great guests we've had in the past. And uh, Greg McElroy of ESPN has joined us. Now, before we get to Greg, I'm just giving you a little background. He's famous now on ESPN, but once upon a time, he was the quarterback at Alabama, and he was the guy that beat <laughs> Texas in the BCS title game. And he did it all by himself, carrying, <laughs> carrying bums like Mark Ingram and Trent <laughs> Richardson and Julio Jones. I don't know how he came through that day, but Greg McElroy by himself led the Crimson Tide and pulled Nick Saban out of the <laughs> throes of mediocrity to get a title. Greg, how are you today, man? Well, I'm glad y'all remember it the way I remember it. So that's good. We're on the same page there. So that's 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 encouraging to know that we're starting off on the same page. <laughs> Start, started the dynasty. That's what happened. So, so Greg, you were in Austin last week. Uh, you did the Kansas-Texas game. Saw them up close and personal. What were your firsthand impressions of the Longhorns? Well, the first thing, uh, you know, I think they're really, really good, Kurt. We talked about it a little before the game. I think it's an excellent team, uh, excellent personnel. You know, it's funny. It's like it just took people a long time to kind of warm up to the idea that they can really compete this year. Um, and they'll get, we're, look, this is a prove it business. This is not, you know, it's not a business where you can go based on the roster because if we went based on the roster, I mean, it'd be pretty easy to pick who was going to win the national championship every year. But if you really dove into the roster this year, I mean, it was as deep and as good as pretty much anyone, um, especially coming into the year. I mean, I'm looking back at it, and uh, I remember in the preseason, I actually did on my own podcast uh, that we put out today, um, we had kind of put our preseason top 25 together, and I had Texas at seven. And that was higher than what most people had them at. Um, but a lot of people were killing me like, oh, not again. Here we go again with the Longhorns. <laughs> but what's funny is I actually felt like I was conservative with where I put them because I was looking at their roster in the preseason. I actually said this in my preseason evaluation of them. Like if you look at their roster, OK, Georgia and Michigan probably have the best rosters right now based on returning production. But I'm telling you, Texas doesn't really take a back seat. So. While I had him at seven, I should have had him in the top three. And I kind of regret not taking that chance because the roster obviously was ready. Um, they're mature enough now to be able to handle the expectations. And um, I can't say I'm surprised with where they're at right now. Um, did I think they'd go to Tuscaloosa and win the way they won? No, I, I thought they could go to Tuscaloosa and win, but it wasn't going to look as convincing as it did. Because while we can look at Alabama and their own mistakes made in that game, uh, Texas was far from flawless in that game and still won, uh, which I think is is uh, the definition of a good team. I mean, did they have their A game that night? Probably not, you know, and they still went on the road and and got a convincing victory. So I think that's a sign of a, of a team that can win it all. And and obviously they're trending in that direction that, that they certainly can. It's just a matter of whether or not they will. 
I think I had him about seven too, but Sedwick was the doubter in the group, right, Sid? What it, it depends on what you mean by doubt, sir. What, what, what was your record? What, what are we record? talking about here? What are we talking about here? What was your preseason record? Nine and three, and yeah. proud, proud of that nine and three, because I, I said that ten and two was the floor. So as a guy that that certainly does not, well, I guess maybe I do have some orange blood, um, a little bit when it comes Perfect. to the Longhorns. Like I, I did feel like ten and two was kind of the floor. So which ones did you have them losing? Bama and who? K State and all. Uh, because of because of how K State put it on them last year. What are we doing? Come on, man! Like, yeah. I, am I, here, I supposed here, to be the homer here? Like, what are well, we doing? <laughs> that's one thing that they'll never call me here is a homer, um, <laughs> or Kirk for that matter. Until this year, where he's just, oh my God, we're gonna we're taking him in for testing. But um, <laughs> well, I remember. I think, hey, first of all, I'll say this: said like. We had Kirk on the radio show leading up to the Alabama-Texas game, and Kirk was basically like, oh, they're, they might get killed. I mean, basically, I mean, that was, you know, he was like, you know, totally prepared for like the bit. I mean, we we came away with it like, golly, surely we don't think Texas has a better chance than he does. But he was like very, very uh, gentlemanly about his assessment, and he was very coach-esque. He goes, well, we got to do this. We got to, he didn't say we, but he's like, they got to do this. They got to do this. They got to He was like Coach Sark. Like you would think that they absolutely stunk up the joint in week one against Rice. Now we fast forward. Rice is pretty good. And, yeah. you know, it's like, but it was kind of funny, though, because I remember thinking like, man, I feel like I'm going to have to talk Kirk into this game being competitive because he was like, coach, speak to the max about the things that they needed to improve on. Uh, and sure enough, it all came to light. Coach, he, he was doing the rat poison dance. That's what, that's and, what was going on. And to not bury the lead, he picked Texas. <laughs> win the game in the paper. It was a nervous pick, as you know, Sid. But you were right. Who cares how you were feeling? It's not about you how you get right. to the finish line. It's about whether or not you did. Exactly and you did right. there. There you go. In justified the means. And so, um, Greg, I, I am so intrigued. And uh, for those who have been on Mars for the last week, Texas v. Oklahoma, 11 a.m. Saturday, Um the quarterback matchup, it's the first time Texas is really facing a guy. I mean, JT Daniels is is the no, the most nomadic quarterback in the country, and he's at Rice. And then the other guys were largely inexperienced guys. Uh, how do you break down this quarterback matchup between Dylan Gabriel and one Quinn Ewers going in? Well, I think they're actually um... – they're very comparable in a lot of ways. And a lot of people won't necessarily look at it that way. But it's actually funny because we were talking to Sark last week leading up to the game. He goes, well, our program and Kansas program are kind of the same right now. And I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hang on. What do you wait? Wait, wait what? You know? <laughs> you and he goes, <laughs> here's what I mean by that is that they took over. It took a year for people to buy in. And then they got incrementally better last year and improved. And now they're in year three and it's time for them to break through, which, right. you know what? I actually, now I understand why he was drawing comparisons to that and drawing some parallels to that. Uh, as far as Quinn Ewers, Dylan Gabriel, I think they're very comparable. And you're going to say, hang on a second. One's 5'10", the other's 6'3". One, uh, you know, has played a million snaps of football at the college level. One hasn't. But I look at, the fact that they are now in year two in their respective systems. 
and mm-hmm. you're seeing the light really come on for both the next level play that you're seeing from both. Um, Quinn Ewers, everyone that's listening to this show has probably seen almost every snap of his this year. I've watched every snap. You see his comfort level within the system increasing drastically. And one area where I think you can really tell with a quarterback and his understanding is how quickly is he getting rid of the football? Uh, last year, over the course of the entire season, he averaged getting the ball out from the time the ball was snapped to the time he released it was 2.6 seconds. It might not seem like a lot, but you think about how many throws are at the line of scrimmage and you know right. how many quick throws like that. That's that's about right in college football. Well, this year he's actually at 2.3 seconds. So same offense, but he's processing it about 10% faster than he did last year. And then he actually peaked this year against Baylor, where it was 2.19 seconds. So his comfort level is on display with how quickly he's getting the ball out. And that's decisiveness. That's understanding of where to go. That's understanding, hey, number one's not going to be there. Let me get to two. Let me get to three. What have you. Um, Dylan Gabriel's on a similar trajectory where he had played in an offense very similar to this at UCF, but it was a little bit different and it was obviously different level of competition. Last year, there were some growing pains. Uh, he did some nice things. He had some struggles this year. He looks like he has full command. So I do think both quarterbacks have progressed beautifully under their current coordinators, Sark for Quinn and Jeff Levy for Dylan and to have seen them now kind of take the next step within their own offense has been fun to watch. It's completing what 75% Texas given up like 53% to opposing quarterbacks. As said, said the last three games have all been backup quarterbacks and, and Jalen Milrow, as you know, was making his third collegiate start. So I don't know who gets the advantage there that, you know, and Dylan Gabriel, haven't played a great schedule. I think OU's schedule is ranked 96th or something. How does that play into it as far as who they've played against, Greg? Well, you know, I mean, all the strength of schedule metrics are a little, you know, wonky right now. I I don't usually look a lot into it because I watch Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is pretty dang good on defense. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, they're not – look. Score. They just can't score. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're challenged in some ways offensively. And but coming into that game, and they had been running the ball like crazy against. I mean, even and Pitt's not good this year, but Pitt, right? Pat Narduzzi, like you can't run on Pitt. So like since he can run, um, and they did a good job against him there. And I think that when you look at, at Cincinnati's defensive line in particular, like they have two or three guys up front on defensive line that would certainly be in the rotation of Texas. Like they're that good. So I think that defensive line has challenged them. And granted, it wasn't a high-powered offensive performance. They scored 20 points in the game against Cincy. But I do think that they have been tested to an extent, even if the strength of schedule wouldn't reflect that. Granted, they're not Bama. Excuse me, as my uh, emergency alarm goes off for whatever Mine too. reason. Mine went off too. Oh, that's a national alert. So we're okay. Uh, that was scheduled. Yeah. That's a test. We're good. It was a test. I didn't um, go off. I guess I should be worried, I guess. I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> so I look at at what they've done to this point. I think Dylan Gabriel's playing really good football. And the one area, and Kirk, you and I talked about it before the game, the area that concerns me the most for Texas is their secondary. 
Uh, I think their front seven defensively is amazing. I think their wide receivers are incredible. I think their offensive line is playing really high-level football. I love what Jonathan Brooks has done. Maybe that was a question mark, but he's now coming to his own. I think Quinn's playing much more confidently this year. Threw a pick last week, but who cares? Like, I mean, I, I know that, look, obviously Sark cares, but it's not that big a deal. Um, he's seeing the field really well. So there's really not a lot of holes in this team. But I do think you, if you get one-on-ones with their safeties, they can be beat. I think right now, I don't know the current status of Ryan Watts, whether or not he'll be back or, or whatnot, but I think the corners could be susceptible to one-on-ones. Um, and they're going to, I would imagine Oklahoma probably recognizes that, and they're going to try to get their shots against those guys. Um, one area that Oklahoma hasn't done a great job of so far is run the football. Uh, but if you look at how Kansas attacked them, Perimeter runs might be an area where you can maybe find some success. Are you going to run it up the middle against Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy? Probably not. But the perimeter, you might be able to have some success. So if I'm Oklahoma, I'm starting going all over the place, sideline to sideline. Sideline to sideline in the run game, perimeter runs all over the place, and then try to take my shots downfield and hope that your quarterback that you referenced is completing 75%. Hope that he's able to connect on some deep ones to kind of break it open. Greg, I I was asked a really good question on the radio yesterday, and I'm going to ask you, and I haven't even talked to Kirk about this. Um, will the winner of this game be in the CFP? What do you think? No, uh, I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion. Um, right now, what's going on in, in all of college, I mean, there's like, we do an eliminator on my podcast every week, and we started with 53 teams. And week three, now we're down to 23 teams, I think, can make the playoff. These two teams are obviously both in the mix right now. But if I looked back at last year, and I did, it, that number would be a whole heck of a lot smaller than it is this year. I mean, it's. I mean, there are a lot of good teams. And frankly, at the top, there's a lot of questionable teams at the top. Like yeah. right now, I mean, I, I, I think Michigan's really good, but they haven't played anybody. I mean, nobody up to this right. point. What about Ohio State by 19 over the turtle? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a mind blowing point spread given their struggles offensively. Yeah, I mean, and they haven't really played their best game. They haven't played a, tw- uh, you know, a four quarter game yet. They haven't, or they, I mean, they have played a four quarter game. They haven't put 60 minutes together. Uh, granted, they found it in bunches a little bit, the big run against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot of really, really good football teams. And I think there's a, every single team has a question mark. It's not like right now you can look at even Georgia, two-time defending champ, and say, "Man, that team is a lock for the college football playoff." You yeah. can't make, you can't say that right now. Um, I think they, I mean, frankly, they, maybe they have their hands full this weekend. I don't think it's a great matchup for Kentucky, uh, but I, you know, maybe they can run the ball on them. I mean, they just gave 218 yards on the ground against Auburn, yeah. and they just ran for 280. Kentucky did against Florida, and Florida coming into that game was the number one defense in the SEC. Exactly. So. It's. I think it's. Um, I think it's a really interesting year. Uh, I think the winner of this game has a really good chance, but with the way things are laid out in the Big Twelve, this might be the first of two times that these teams play each other. And the team that wins the conference championship is going to be given the benefit of the doubt, given recency bias at the end of the year. So going to lose, lose right now. Yeah. Well, I, let's just not. You know, let's just not <laughs> lose. <laughs> Eliminate all yeah. doubt. Yeah. I think you're, I mean, even the loser of this game certainly has a chance. Uh, and conference championship title will be worth more than a regular season game between these two teams. So, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the winner is in a great position to, to probably punch their ticket to the dance. So, who, who do you like Saturday? 
I like Texas, but I like them close. Um, yeah. I'm and everyone thinks it'll be high scoring. Like I actually think it's. I think both teams are going to be a little conservative early, just kind of feel each other out a little bit. They know a big play could, you know, really upset the apple cart. Uh, if I'm Oklahoma, I really, really want to win the coin toss, and I really, really want the ball because um, I want to put some pressure on Texas. Uh, yeah. I want Dylan Gabriel to go out there and hopefully score a touchdown on a big play to kind of open things up. And and then, you know, Quinn Ewers has a lot of pressure on him. And and now, hey, it, let's roll. It's a weird spot. I've talked about this with a few people. It's a weird spot where all the pressure, even though both teams are undefeated, all the pressure for whatever reason feels like it's on Texas. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? I mean, I feel it's like brilliant. Oklahoma's kind of playing with house money. Yeah, it's coming like, off six and seven, I think. Yeah, I think exactly. You're right. But I mean, Texas come off eight and five. It's not like they're coming off of a you know a, a, a national championship runner up. But it feels like for a lot of reasons, Texas is the year that Texas has circled. And yeah, this is you know if they come up short in this game, it's going to be oh same old Texas. Like it just feels like there's a lot of pressure on Texas in this game. Whereas with Oklahoma, it's like man, let's just throw caution to the wind. Let's go get it. Yeah. Um, so I don't love that spot for Texas. I think they hang on. I think they win. But I wouldn't be surprised if they if they don't play well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the final score, I'm taking Texas 31, Oklahoma 27. Um, I think it's going to be a, a good game and one that you know wouldn't shock me if if it becomes a little bit more high scoring than that. But uh, I think it's going to be played a little bit close to the vest and, and it's going to be a grinded out type of type of game for the horns. Do you think Steve Sarkeesian needs this more than Brent Venables? That's a good question because I think Sark is in... <laughs> I think the oil money is real happy with Steve right now. <laughs> you know, I think, and I think we've talked about this with Sark too. Um, I think Chris Del Conte has done an amazing job in in being able to make sure that you know he handles the you know the presidential responsibilities that Mac Brown used to love, and and Sark can just focus on ball, and mm-hmm. that's taken a lot of the pressure off of Sark, and and obviously the performance on the field, they no one wants to mess with it now, and. Uh, he already has his signature win going on the road to Alabama. Uh, this would be Brent Venable's signature win. So I think the more, there's more pressure as far as the coaching staff. There's more pressure on Venables than there is on Sark at the moment. And real quick, I know you got to go A&M, Alabama. Aggies got a chance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they match up really well. Um, yeah. They have a great D-line. And Alabama's offensive line has been suspect of late. Uh, tough place to play naturally. So yeah, I think that game's going down to the wire, man. I mean, that, that thing's going to be a coin toss at the very end. It's going to be really close. Yeah, I do too. Greg McElroy, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to chop it up with you. He's going to be doing a Georgia-Kentucky this weekend. We'll be thinking about you from the Cotton Bowl. Be well, my friend, and safe travels. Thanks, Greg. On Second Thought. Doug, great conversation. I mean, I, that kid is busy. He's busy this week, and, and for him to take some time out and and, and chat it up with us um, like he has in the past, you can't put a price tag on getting good people to come visit with our podcast, and that's why we've been able to stick around for so long. Well, you're right. He's so knowledgeable, too. And, uh, you know, here he's doing the Kentucky-Georgia game, so he, he's got to pound the research on that game. but. And he's, he was he was leaving our show literally to go on the SEC network. So we don't pay, and I know oh, the wow. SEC networks do. The SEC network pays. The mouse oh. is putting money in his pocket 
So for him to come hang out with us for free, we yeah. we really appreciate uh, the great Greg McElroy for doing that. Yeah, he's he's truly one of the very knowledgeable and one of the, one of the nicest guys in the business too. We've had him on several times, and hope all the listeners out there have enjoyed having him too. Uh, anything he said pique your interest at all? Seth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, you and you and he are on the same page when it comes to the Longhorns, and you were at the beginning of the year, and you still are, and you both have Texas winning, and um, so do I, but. Uh, I guess I was a little late to the party, but uh, they just might be the best team in the country, Duck. I don't know. I, I I know they're in the conversation, and I know they have the best resume, and I wrote about that um, in in today's paper, and it's 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 online. Uh, check it out. I, I think. I mean, if the if the CFP started today, the Texas Longhorns would be one of the four teams. Where do we find that column, by the way? statesman.com hook'em.com okay. my facebook page the website formerly known as twitter and I'll other places. start my day now i start my day yeah i mean they've got a strong case as anybody i mean i think most people would agree you know that's probably the best win uh out of conference that any team has had so far ohio state had a great win and a thriller at notre dame uh, went in the last second, uh, you know, Duke beat Clemson. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's as good, uh, uh, a litmus test as any other college football team has had. And, and, and like Greg was saying, you know, there's a bunch of good teams. I mean, you know, Kentucky, the game he's got playing Georgia, they're ranked, I think 17th. I don't know. They may be, I think Georgia, I mean, Kentucky may be 20th. Uh, Miami's another one unbeaten. I think they're 17th. So we got some really solid teams that can still, you know, make a run for it. And I liked his answer, like not a foregone conclusion that whoever wins Saturday is going to be in that CFP. And that's why I ask him. That's why I ask him. And, you know, um, I'm really curious to know. I was curious to know what the Texas contingent thought about possibly being the best football team in the country right now. Right. So what better way to to figure it out than go straight to the head of the snake? I asked Steve Sarkeesian, and this is what he said: "That's for you guys to answer. I don't, I don't, I don't have a vote. I'm not in the coaches' poll, so I don't have a vote. But some of you in this room do. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, it's 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 uh, flattering to some degree the fact that." The product that we're putting on the field uh, is one that that people appreciate the the way that we're playing, and I think our players have earned um, the respect of some of that that feel that way, and and hopefully we can continue to do that. Um, but there's a lot of football left this year. You know, we haven't even hit the halfway point, and ultimately. Like I've said all along, our goal is to be in Arlington December 3rd and try to win a Big 12 championship. Then whatever happens is supposed to happen. But if we, if we don't do that, everything else is irrelevant. So it really, I hate to say it doesn't really matter where we are today. Where are we at the end of the season when we have a total body of work? And so uh, as I told the team and before the season, and I tell them every week, the, the opinions of others doesn't matter what we do does and so we've got to we've got to go out every Saturday and uh, and play a brand and a style of football that that 
not only makes us proud as coaches, makes them proud to, that they're doing it, and makes Longhorn Nation proud that the way we play is a, is a brand and style of football that um, is one that uh, you know we all appreciate because of the way our guys go about it. Ducky had a little smirk on his face when he said, his "Body language was positive." He had was loose. a little smirky smirk on his <laughs> face when he said, "Yeah, you know, we're take one game at a time." We got to win this week. A lot of games we left. matter to yeah, a lot of games left and outside opinions don't matter. But you know what? Didn't he have a didn't he have a nice little glow about him when I go? How does it feel to, to be getting that question two years after five and seven? That's how far the program has come. Mm-hmm. So you got to give Steve Sarkeesian his flowers because he's done a hell of a job to get this thing going the right direction. Um, we've always had our doubts about him because he, he came in here as a guy who was 34 and 29 or what have you. That's not a great record for a guy that's getting the Texas job. And um, he's still, you know, what is he now, Ducky? He, he goes five and seven, eight and five. He's 18 and two. 18 and, eight. and 12. He's 18 and 12. That's yeah. not that's yeah. nothing to write home about, but what he's doing right now is what matters most. He's bringing yeah. it right now in season three, and the Longhorns are favored by almost a touchdown. Last I checked, I got him. I'm like I'm like Mr. McElroy. I got him. I got him winning a close one. I think they're going to win, um, maybe by nine or ten, but it's going to be a late score. But it's going to be close throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the record eighteen and twelve. You say it like that, and it's kind of plus six over five hundred. You look at Jimbo Fisher, and you saw his Aggies play in Jerry World last Saturday. He's forty three and twenty two, so he's on the nineteen plus side of the ledger, and people want to fire him, you know. So, but it's it's all about trajectory and trending and. Uh, A&M can really affect its trajectory Saturday hosting Alabama. And I think they're going to beat Alabama. I really do. Uh, and then Texas is the same way. They're trending upward. And, and like Greg said, Oklahoma's really kind of flying under the radar, I think, for two reasons. Six and seven last year. Yeah. Any high-profile opponents yet. Uh, so they're kind of, like he said, maybe they're playing with house money a little bit. Um, but uh, Sark knows what he's got, doesn't he? He knows he's got it, and he doesn't well, shy away from it. There's, there's, um, I don't know that Quinn is the head of the UT Snake. He's got to play pretty well for them to win. But if he's average, they can still win when he's average. And when have yeah. you ever been able to say that about a Texas team? If Vince Young didn't play well and he was surrounded by NFL players, yeah, you know, he went 30 and two. So what are we talking about here? Um, He always played well, but uh, you know, when Colt got hurt in 09, that was it. Yeah. Fell apart. That was it. That was it. Yeah, exactly. And like they got so many weapons and they've got such a deep roster. One thing that struck me on Monday was when, uh, uh, we asked Sark about playing a lot of people, and he said, yeah, in some first halves, we played as many as 30 guys on defense, you know, and that's impressive, and that's keeping 
fresh legs in that fourth quarter. Experienced and, fresh and legs. And building experience for future games, too. So I think he's got a roster that he likes. I think he's got an offense that he loves. You know, now that Jonathan Brooks is coming on and doing his Bijan imitation. What about uh, John A. Barron saying that Jonathan Brooks is faster than Bijan? You know, I don't know if I'm going to argue that too much. I mean, why does, why does JB keep saying he's slow, though? I don't know. He may just be being humble. You know, Maybe. he might have gotten that from Bijan, too. He ain't slow. No. You know? He's a he long way, away from, from some people the last couple of weeks. Three straight 100 yard games, 218. It's his first time to be the feature tailback in the Red River rivalry. So let's see what he's got. Because, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think Texas has the advantage, and they're so much more balanced offensively than Oklahoma, whereas Oklahoma, ninth in the Big 12 in rushing, uh, 66 in the nation, no leading rusher, averaging more than 40 yards a game. That may be where they have the edge. Because, you know, defenses always want to make the offense one-dimensional. And that's kind of the way OU's been so far this year. Yeah, and it's been a quarterback's game over the last few years. And when, you know, it used to be a running back's game. Oh, it yeah. It used to be a Adrian Peterson, a Cedric Benson, a Ricky Williams, a Damon Parker, Quinn yeah. Griffin. Yeah, it Billy Sims. be a running backs game, but it's been a while since the running backs just completely gone off. It's kind of it's kind of great. May have had a had a game a couple of years ago, but it's largely been about the quarterbacks, Doug. It's kind of mirrored the college football game today. It's all yeah. about the quarterbacks, and uh, you know, it's interesting what Greg said about the the cornerbacks being susceptible. Uh, no, you know, like safeties. Safety corners. He didn't say yeah. corners. Those but, corners are decent. No, good yeah. corners are pretty good. Jod A is pretty good. Uh, you know, the youngster Terrence Brooks, uh, we'll see. Malik Muhammad, we'll see. But yeah, no, he Matt said Mahomes. safeties. He right. said safeties. That's different. And, you know, Kansas burned them for 58 yard on the post pattern there. You know, we asked uh, Jod A about it. And he said, well, just miscommunication. I don't know if the, uh, the I don't know if that was Jaron Thompson or Keaton Crawford. I think it was Keaton Crawford. It was Keaton. Maybe. It was my Tyler Wright. They got Maybe he thought he was getting help or something. He got beat badly on that one. And that's one thing. They've given up some big plays. You know, the Wyoming game, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, Whaley, uh, Harrison Whaley, uh, you know, who would be leading the country in rushing if he'd played in one more game? He, he's averaging over 152 yards. He'd be leading by almost 20 yards a game, but he missed the first two games with injuries. So, They've guess, kind of been guess what? He, he is who he is. He's good. Yeah. He, I'm not going to let stats determine if he's a man. He's a grown man. Oh, yeah. He was really good. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if I thought Texas might be having a little easier time before we talk to Greg or, or not. But it one thing we do know, this is a cyclical series. I mean, oh, you'd won four straight uh, before Texas won last year. And you know, I don't think Texas won back to back since 08 and 09, I don't think. And cold. Uh, it was cold. Remember, OU put a five spot on Mac, you know, won five years in a row and a couple of them very ugly games. So uh, it's it's kind of time for Texas to turn the tide and uh, the reverse field. And, you know, maybe they'll go on a streak against Sooners. And this is their best opportunity. This is their most talented team since 09. Yeah. It is a couple of good talented teams. Tom had a couple of good teams, but this top to bottom 
is as good as they've been in a very long time. And this yeah. is a tremendous opportunity to make a statement, not only in the most important rivalry um, in the program, but also with, with the SEC beckoning next season and a chance to get in the CFP for the very first time. It, there's so much on the table here. And I know that Sark knows, CDC knows, the little general Kevin L. Type knows that this is this is what they brought him in here to do, win these kind of games. And he's got it going. I would hate to see him stub his toe here. Um, McElroy, interesting, said he thinks they're going to win, but he wouldn't be surprised if they didn't play well. They've been plagued by some slow starts, but yeah. Wayne Ewers usually comes out smoking in Showtime games. I do not expect them to start slowly this time. He did. He did last year when he threw four touchdowns, and then remember uh, the year before Texas was up twenty-eight to seven with Casey Thompson, and they let that get away. Uh, but they scored. What they scored? They get forty-nine. You know, so uh, or forty-five. I forget what that. Forty-eight. That Forty-eight. Forty-five. Yeah. So they've scored 48 and 49 in the last two uh, games against theirs. But but you're right. This is a uh, great opportunity because there aren't many two teams that are just great every year, like a Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. We've seen a Clemson kind of losing their way a little bit. So when you have an opportunity like this to strike, you got to take full advantage of it. We are going to be there. We're going to, we're excited. This is, this is going to be a monumental game. Game day is going to be there. Of course, we're there for Fletcher's. We're there for Floyd's catfish, but we're mostly there for the red river rivalry, Texas. OU 11 AM cotton bowl on Saturday. We are so pumped and we are even more pumped that Greg McElroy joined us to break down this very important game. That's going to do it for episode of 311 of On Second Thought. For the Doug Kirk Bowls, I'm Seth Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.